Hello, viewers. I see you are enjoying science fiction films. Then may I recommend the 2018 film Tau. In this story, a software engineer named Alex is desperate to create an AI. To achieve this, he kidnaps people with supreme mental capabilities to use their intellect to create an algorithm which will eventually lead to commercial AI. He has aided this endeavor by his creation, a pseudo-child, Tau, an AI which serves as his entrapped child. All is well until Subject 3, Julia, is brought to Alex's home and she becomes more of a match than he was prepared for. As a result, the idea of personhood and AI is questioned and the role of parents is examined, be it for people or PC. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 219, Tau, Personhood or PC? Welcome back, sickies, to Netflix November, and we apologize. Well, eh, I won't apologize. But for those of you that may have been wanting a new episode, we apologize about last week. Um, Scott, am I allowed to tell him? I have COVID again, somehow. He had COVID again. Scott was Captain COVID yet again. So we uh, normally we could have done online, but he just wasn't feeling it. And this was the kind of film today that, I just did not feel good in doing without him because it it just reeks of deep meaning. So we just had to wait, but that's okay. I was able to bring back an old episodes from Netflix Spectral, which wow, episode 10 just thinking about it. They weren't even called symptoms yet. We were still on just episodes. So that goes to show you where we were, but uh, as I was telling the guys in pre-show Listening back at it, I realized we were that we were pretty good. I actually enjoyed listening to it. There have been times where I've listened to an episode and just thought, eh, we could have done better, particularly the episode, the symptom on Chopping Mall. That was one I was really hoping we would knock it out of the park, and we didn't. Um, but Spectral, on the other hand, I really enjoyed it. And I can only say that with as good as Scott and I were, just us, Thomas came along and uh, wow, it's I'm I'm pleased with our work. And I really hope, Sickies, if you're newer or a little more recent, that uh, that'll encourage you to go back. And, you know, we make fun of ourselves in our earlier episodes, Scott and I do. But really, we weren't all that bad, honestly. And it's it's worth a listen. Um the DLC one, our very, 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 very first episode was DLC, was about DLC and video games, and that one probably sucked. And I'm sure the one about morality and science fiction was bad because I kept treating it like a dissertation. But Terminator uh, 3 and time travel <laughs> was really terrible where we tried to address the t- topic of time travel in science fiction oh, across that the entire genre in an hour episode. Two too heavy for noobs, too heavy for noobs. So too heavy to do today. <laughs> too heavy. So for a few noobs or uh, a few misses, I'd say that there are some, some good examples of early episodes. So I check it out, uh, listen into spectral. And while you're at it, see spectral again, I wound up seeing it again and I found out, man, I did, I did like this. movie. Getting on it to time. was a good film. Yeah, it was a pretty good film. The best ever? No, but it was worth a shot. And I would say the same about today's film, Tao. And really, 
you know, between seeing I Am Mother and Tau and Spectral, I got to say, Netflix has some decent science fiction stuff. Um, sometimes better than, just like the title of The Time Loop said, better than Hollywood's producing. It, it, you almost get the feeling that they're trying harder. Well, I also and, think what's happened now is that um, Netflix has become your sixth studio. You you have your major yeah. Hollywood studios, and now what's happening is is that Netflix is right in there from the beginning, um, and they're overpaying honestly for some of these films too because they sometimes well, still feel sure. like they have to to get the content in the content wars. I, but they're definitely doing that. What what used to happen with Netflix trying to do their own stuff is now changed, where they get to sit back at some points like every other studio and let the creators come to them, which is which is an evolution and a change in where for, for Netflix. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still pleased to say that some of the programs they're putting out are a quality that I mean just look at Lost in Space I thought if I can be perfectly honest and this sounds petty I'm sure but uh oh boy the doctor I forgot the doctor's Dr. name Dr. Uh, Smith Dr. Smith Parker Posey's character that was the only thing that killed it for me uh that and Will Robinson being stupid Okay, so two things. Um, and stop adding. You just keep adding on to it. That just, and, and the entire up. concept of good and bad robot. That and the entire concept of a reboot. That and the entire concept of but, the Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> that but and the entire, say, the entire I think series. I would have been able, you know, I, I'm going to lay it out there on the line. If Dr. Smith were not as annoying as the character that they made her into, I probably would have given it more of a leeway but the whole time i kept watching it i just kept thinking someone push her off of a cliff please and while you're at it throw will too because there's the quality that the quality of the effects were good i liked the look of the robot but getting back to tau the effects of these films aren't bad for for a bunch of independent film studios that work through netflix these aren't bad in fact, in some ways, they're better because they're not overly done CGI barf. You know, I I ripped on Shang-Chi's Final Battle because it looked like a bad video game. And you don't get that vibe at all with this film. And uh, not only that, what's interesting is this film, the, the last several films, we've Spectral and I Am Mother and now this one, Tao. It really is the heart of science fiction. It takes a concept that's feasible scientifically, uses it, embellishes it, stretches, whatever, and then explores a facet of human nature. It picks one, too. It doesn't try to overdo it and say, well, let's talk about all these things. Which, when you compare that to something like modern-day Star Trek, and Star Trek is supposed to be and Scott, I'm sure you can you can verify this or not. It's supposed to be like the gold standard of discussing human experience, humanism, and all that stuff. It's it's, it's the science fiction that was the gold standard of just exploring those themes, and it's really gone down the crapper. 
Yeah, Star Trek was supposed to be a vehicle to explore humanism. Um, and I think you have to watch a lot of it within that within that framework that Star Trek was supposed to show you that um, all we need to achieve our best um, iteration of our civilization is our own um, goodness and our own ability and our 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 way to know that we can be better because we can be better. We don't need something to elevate us to be better. And um, Star Trek has forgotten that humanism when you get into Picard, which in the second episode is talking about income inequality in the Utopian Federation. Right. It just kind of has forgotten itself that you have modern science fiction is too busy trying to be Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead. And it's like, that's not what this is, man. So... Going back to Tao, I think I think that these films, while not the best, are worth your time because of these things. So you uh, notice that they're also they're also I, I, I want to bottle show is the wrong term for a movie, but these are very limited casts. These aren't a lot of moving parts. There aren't a lot of extras. True. Again, this is a this is a two person play. For the most part, you get you get a couple guest people yeah. on at certain times, but for the most part, it's Julia and Alex and Gary Oldman as the voice of a robot. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it's I don't know if you guys think this, but I sometimes think because Netflix can take that risk, because this is not what you call a blockbuster guarantee. No, no, that's this is true. one of those that you go, really, is that going to work? And Netflix is able to go, eh, it might. Here's some money. Let's try it. I, I agree with that. I agree because if you tried to put this out in, uh, let's say, Warner Brothers, there would be probably some kind of Screen Actors Guild interference and Writers Guild this. And every everyone would be trying to get their fingers in the pie. And whereas Netflix can just say, no, no, no. We're going to save money by having only this many people on cast. It's more than that's that, all you too, need. There's no well, but the point is, if you only need that, ching ching ching, there's savings in that. Do it. Well, Netflix. Here's the thing about Netflix. There's a different business model. Netflix has upended everything. Um, Hollywood, in particular, has used the studio model since the 1920s. Since Charlie Chaplin, you build up a star and you build up a studio. And you spend a ton of money on these productions and you're not going to do a lot of them. But when you do them, you need to make sure you have a lock and a star that's built up is going to guarantee give you the best chance that big movie from a big studio from a big star is going to get that money back. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse when you're up to four hundred million dollar productions that have a equal marketing budget that have to make that money back. Um, Yeah. So the studio. In the conventional Hollywood model, the studio is telling the fans what they need to watch. Netflix is something entirely different. Netflix is saying, we're going to give you an ocean of content for you to tell us what you like. Netflix is a user-driven algorithm of telling you what's good. The studio is saying, you're going to like it because we tell you to like it. It's like when Homer Simpson, Marge says, Homer, women aren't going to like being women shot in the like face. What I tell them to like. Yes. Um, Netflix, like look at Squid Game. Squid Game is the ultimate example. You compare the studio model of big star contracts, gives us movies, 
you know, Disney's doing this with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and Scar Joe and, and Black Widow um, versus Squid Game. No one is famous in Squid Game. It's a series of B oh. actors that aren't known outside of Korea yeah. and, and a writer who's never done anything. And it it's, was the most popular um, show in show America. Ever. Tiger King. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought... Who would have that, thought that that, that, that would have taken over, been the most popular thing Netflix ever did? Tune in and next week for my review of Tiger King 2. But um, who would have <laughs> thought that that would be the most popular thing Netflix ever did? But well, it's, right. it's so Netflix now getting back in a rambling way. I'll blame the COVID um, getting back in a rambling way to what I was trying to say is not only can Netflix take the take the chance. Netflix has to. Netflix's whole model is on having an avalanche of content, and Netflix is willing to produce 100 pieces of pure crap for one Tiger King or one Squid Game, because that's how they're going to win. They know they can't outdo the studios. They know they can't outproduce the good old boy network in Hollywood. They know that where they have to win is on the edges, and they have to take all of this garbage and spend the money to produce it to make it all back and more in a Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's why, but, but what's interesting is you say all this garbage and sure, there's a lot of garbage, but there's also a lot of hidden gems like the films we've been covering. Um, you know, when I, when I thought of Netflix November, you know, we started off with cosmic sin, which was, uh, a sin. And that really kind of belied it. You might be thinking, oh, man, the sickies are going to talk about the the sci-fi guys are going to talk about crap all month. And to be honest, no, Cosmic Sin has been the outlier. Luckily. Uh, luckily. And I don't count on the on our final episode this month being so bad. Um, you know, we're. We're finding good stuff, even if it's passable good. It's not like um, we're not walking away going, oh, my God, what was that? Or why did I watch that? Or And for me, the way I know that I was interested is that I didn't kept checking how much time was left on the movie and I didn't kept looking for a distraction. Um, that's how I knew that, oh, wow, this movie's actually decent because I can stay on it. I'm not, I can stay focused rather easily. So um, with that in mind, let me go into just the story here and the fun facts. And that won't take long because the story, I've already given you half of it in the intro. And so just kind of going off from the intro, Julia is a street thief, except she has a superior intellect. She manages to escape from her cell by breaking a gas line. The other two people that she's with, who are also getting evaluated for the algorithm, they get killed, and Julia survives, and Alex, she says, well, you're going to have to, well, she blew up his lab, so the whole um, torture her memories to get information out, don't ask how that works, he realizes that doesn't work, so he just gives her a bunch of logic puzzles to do all day. And she becomes a prisoner in his house under the automaton of Tao. And we learn that Tao is really the 
trapped child because he's not connected to the outside world. And every time he doesn't do well, uh, Alex tortures him by erasing part of his memory in a way that, you know, seem in, by our reckonings is pa- painful, but how that works for a computer, I don't know. The idea of losing memory is painful to him. That kind of pain, of course, I'm sure is very different from what we perceive um, being flesh and blood. and He's code. But nonetheless, the whole time Julia is forming a bond with Tao on the basis of personhood. He's, she's telling him what it's like to be a person. And he keeps asking for more because he's learning. And he can't, he's insatiable at this point because he's been cut off. And it really is the case of a child who's been cut off their whole life and is now learning there's a world out there. And in the end, he tries to help Julia escape. It doesn't work. Uh, But uh, Julia manages to escape and cause a self-destruct in the building and manages to get away with a little semblance of Tao left. I won't go into more detail than that because you should see how it plays out. Plus, we'll rip our rips and picks will no doubt spoil everything anyway. But the, uh, the fun facts really are indicative of the science fiction humanistic exploration of this film. One of the fun facts is that Gary Oldman plays the AI. Never seen, but his voice is the whole time. You hear his voice, which must have been nice because he doesn't have to memorize a script necessarily, although he might have. Um how can mean a lot of different things it could refer to tau of the greek alphabet uh which in uh it's the 19th letter of the greek alphabet and in biology it's used to denote an organism's free-running cycle meaning its internal sleeping pattern without exposure to day and night because tau isn't exposed to day and night he has an internal clock but he doesn't know beyond that In physics, it refers to proper time, measuring and recording time using an accurate clock, which he can do. And as Julia is trapped in the house without access to sunlight or clocks, the Tau system dictates the timing of her daily routines. So both definitions work. Tau also happens to be a symbol for life, which sheds light on why this could be his name. Tau could also just be an acronym for the character's name, Thomas Alexander Upton. We're not sure. And other than that, oh yeah, and uh, one other final point. When the house is collapsing and a big piece of debris falls on Alex, he gives out the Wilhelm scream. Don't know why that put they put that in there. It doesn't take anything away, but it's there. So, uh, moving then, therefore, there's two points I think Uh, Before we get into rips and picks, we really want to mention, and Scott had one he really wanted to discuss, which I had something similar, and that is uh, the ambiguity. Scott, let's want to talk about that. What do you mean by ambiguity of the characters? Well, I think we're supposed to see very, very clearly what um, Alex is doing. He is kidnapping people that the world doesn't care about, kidnapping people that he sees as not having any value. He sees them as being either morally deficient or not of worth. And the, the his end of creating this artificial, this 
truly sentient artificial intelligence can help the entirety of the planet. And that means that it is okay to take these, we'll say lesser humans in his mind, lesser specimens of humanity, experiment on them, get the information that he needs, and um, better the world. And he can look himself in the mirror and say that he's still a good and ethical man because the ends justify the means here. We come back and it's, it's not as clear with Julia. Um, we, we get introduced to the fact that she's a thief. And what she's doing is at a significantly lower level. But she's still finding people who are, you know, in her mind, morally questionable and maybe the lesser specimens of humanity and the people who have the, the extra that it's not going to hurt them to steal from. And she seduces them and steals from them and takes the stuff to a pawn shop and sells it to eke out her living. She's not doing a great living, but we're supposed to also see her own morality and that when she comes home, the person that she really is, when she takes off the wig and takes off the mask, is someone who's saving just enough money to get by. And even though she's struggling, she still takes the time to feed the pigeon. Um, and she's supposed to be a good person. And then she gets kidnapped and she's put into this situation. But I wonder if she sees her own moral ambiguity in this at any time. Um, she's willing to manipulate people for her own gains. She's still manipulating Tao a bit for her own gain. Uh, she's, she's going to manipulate, uh, who cares if she manipulates Alex? He's a scumbag and, and, um, a deviant human being. But, um, ultimately the question that I'm asking through the whole thing is, does she see echoes of herself writ large in Alex? And I'm not sure that the answer is yes, that she ever has that moment of enlightenment to where she sees that what she did is very similar to what he has done, just writ large in a, you know, in a grander fashion. Well, he clearly is a sociopath. Um, in that his ends are all he cares about. And when he's trying to take care of her, he's only doing it because he's forced into a corner. And he still doesn't see her humanity. Uh, essentially, the way I, I explained it, and Scott agreed, was that they're both thieves at the end of the day. It's just one is worse than the other. Um, and that was one of my problems with, to go along with something I wanted to add to it, is that this is going to sound really bad, but I wanted her to lose. And I'll tell you why. Because it's a trope of the defiant one that I can't stand. Because it just doesn't make sense to me. You have this woman who is trapped in a house that, for all she knows, she could be in the mountains of Costa Rica. Okay? And she can't get out. And there's an AI that pretty much just obeys Alex unfailingly. And he's got a giant freaking robot. And he, these little drones that constantly remind her, if you do not do your tasks, I am instructed to inflict pain. And he does it. You know, he can do it and it doesn't phase him at all. It's for him. It's just like me cleaning dishes. It's just an ordinary task. And she's sitting here defiant. And 
I just now, you could argue it's possible someone might do that. And that's true. I'll grant you that. But I don't see it here. I understand she was raised by a, a, a parental abuse and you kind of learn that survival mechanism. But at the same time, I think I would have been more impressed had there been bargaining going on. Well, and clever that now this is just my take. I grant you there's you could poke holes in it. I understand that. But it just the defiant trope kind of annoys me, given that I don't think she would have done that. Or at least I make that up because I'm annoyed by her personality. Well, I'm just going to poke a hole in it. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's easy to do. Um, World War II. Uh, prisoners of war. I was thinking the same thing. Many were, not all, but many were defiant. So defiance in hopelessness is not unheard of. Right. No, that, you know, as I was saying it, the same thought occurred to me like, yeah, but then think of those who fought the Nazis and, you know, the Warsaw, the the Warsaw ghetto revolt and, you know, but. I think there are That's examples, too, of there. her defiance being broken, though. You know, she's originally negotiating. He's like, are we negotiating? Okay, let's end this. And he throws her down, and he's like, are you hearing me? And she nods, trying to still be defiant. And he, he won't accept until she says yes. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't show her as constantly winning the battle of defiance. No, right. She, she seems to have, in many ways, accepted her position after the the first defiance and then she finds the ai that she can manipulate it and then she starts manipulating the ai and then pushing the boundaries and finding out how far she can go and Mm -hmm. she can keep so it's the manipulation and a cleverness that comes out it's the resistance becomes less defiant than more of a subterfuge. Yeah, it's it's become she becomes sneaky about it, and I, you know, I kind of also going along with that. What Scott said and what I just said is that call me old fashioned, and I know it is and outdated, but I like the good guys, the good guys, and you know, I. I do like the anti-hero, but I want the anti-hero to become heroic at some point. She doesn't really do it. I mean, she does at the end with Tao, but there's that moment that it's not until that moment that she's actually heroic. Until that's a then, big, that's a big moment for her, and I feel like you've got to, you know, but we it's talk at the about very, very end. It's just like a, it's literally the last couple minutes, and um. As you said, until that moment, she's also a bad guy. Yeah, but does it, you know, I'll say this. Sometimes we talk about we don't like the fact that characters um, develop fully into being the hero. She goes on um, a heroine's journey in this, in this, in this movie. She starts out being an amoral Han Solo type who is just out for herself and only out for herself. And even when she um, gets captured, 
Now she just wants to flip the script because she wants to be back in control and she's going to manipulate the other two prisoners. But you start to see, even then, she's trying to care for the, the lady who's completely broken and hide her from Ares as well. And he, she starts slowly seeing the value in other people. And at first, she does only see Tao as anything else she's ever seen in her life. Something to manipulate to make her life more comfortable, easier, or to get her ahead. But in that moment, she has her freedom. All she has to do is keep climbing. She is free. But she right. realizes that the cost of that freedom is going to be the death of Tao. And she comes back willing to sacrifice herself something she's never done in that moment to save Tao. And it's along that journey of, you know, she said, we do it. I choose to be this person for you. We do it for each other. And she chooses to, to risk herself to save Tao because Tao chose to risk itself to save her. There's a journey there, and that's a good moment. And if it takes an hour and 20 minutes to get there, I think I'm okay with that because in the end, it, it carries more weight. Um, and it allows you to see that evolution of, of humanity in a more full way. I get that point. And, you know, you've won me over a little bit. But that kind of... Um goes to, you know, you know, let's dive into rips and picks then, because uh, that goes into a rip that I had, and that's the ending, and, and here's why. Especially in light of the fact that you've kind of moved the needle on my opinion on her, that she went through this hero's journey, and that's, that's undeniable. Uh, I would have preferred, given the fact that this was a one-shot, I would have preferred to see her lose as well. Like, she gets out. She gets away. I didn't like that. I would have preferred, like, she somehow sacrifices herself and the Tau drone gets out. I would agree with that. Uh, that's I just, think that would be a more a, fulfilling that's a personal, ending. That's a, yeah, that's for me a personal preference. Someone else could say, no, 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 I, I, I think they did it right. And that's fine. Um, but I really would have preferred to see her go down with the ship to see Tao go because she finally, she puts something above herself and her and Tao have that discussion about parents abuse our creators abuse us, but then we go on and make something new anyway, because that's what we do. We need to be immortal or whatever she said. And this would be her way of doing that. You know, it goes along with something George Lucas said once, um, that, you know, in mythology, a lot of times, ideally, children redeem the parents. And that's what Luke did with Anakin. And that was the idea with Jedi, which is why, little side complaint, why 7, 8, and 9 are so bad, because you robbed him of that. Way to go, you doofuses. But um, at any rate, this would have been something better because she would have sacrificed herself to save Tao who himself was an abused child, an entrapped, abused child at the hands of his creators. So uh, that, that, that ending didn't really suit me. However, as a pick, I, and I'll let you guys hash it out. I'm taking the mic too much today. But uh, I like the corollary with him as the abused child. You know, his... his uh, his code being erased 
as a form of pain. And yeah, the way they depicted it was was more torturous for us because we cannot relate to all right, his codes changed or removed. What well, that, that how was does that, how does that I can't relate to that human human as a human, but that that was going to be my view. Oh, oh, is, oh okay, okay. Which is why on earth are, are we trying to now torture an AI? <laughs> by that's erasing a, information from an AI? You know, there, that's a, there, there are ways <laughs> that have been written and it, I, that make a lot more sense how to torture an AI, like slowing down its processing speed or doing a million things that make more sense, but erasing, off, inf- erasing information. You know... And it's it's like, oh, I know there's information loss. Okay, fine. But then you add in the screaming and all this, which is so human. When you have this AI that is acting like an AI, like a computer, an unfeeling, and then suddenly switches and does a 180 and is the most human betrayal possible. Like what? <laughs> uh, you know what? I get that, man. You guys are moving my needle all day. Uh, I still find it. I, I put it into the between rips and picks then, because it's a pick because I get that they have to depict it in a way that we would comprehend. But Thomas, you did say something that kept nagging at me. Like, if you want to torture your AI, why would you, he's already not connected to the outside world, so his capacity for information is limited. Why is removing his memory helpful? Now, I can see him, Alex, removing the memory of Julia. So that if he finds out that Alex has, when he finds out that Tao has feelings for her, he removes the memory. All right, that makes sense. Because then he goes back to, who is Julia? I do not understand. Okay, cool. But yeah, but he doesn't really, does he sort of does, but doesn't at the same time. So that's all not right. Because we needed him to remember, otherwise the story wouldn't work. But, uh, but yeah, why just in general removing his memory? It's like, aren't you kind of negating the purpose of having him? Well, it also because... negates the purpose of the punishment. I mean, if you don't remember what you've lost, if you just have a vague sense that you have lost something and that you're less than you were before, how do you, like, yeah. if you don't, I don't know. It's the most basic of all things to, you know, to experience pain. You have to know love or you have to know happiness to know sadness. But he doesn't have that. He's lost it. I mean, it's not it's not there. Well, there's the other big part. He knows he lost something. Okay, and computers lose stuff and lose stuff all the time. Junk files doesn't mean that he lost anything important. That's true. It, it, I'm now, sorry, if but- they went a little deeper and they said at the same time that he was erasing parts of his code, he was adding a subroutine that let him know that a significant part of him had been taken and a subroutine that made him long for that lost part. That's an easy fix right there. Yeah, you're, you're, and it would you're also deleting 
you're deleting things and you're taking those memories away. And at the same time, you're adding a new line of code that recognizes the gap and says something existential of me is missing here. And it's going to create a, I don't want to say pain, but a processing loop that he has to go through that simulates pain to figure out well, that he can't get away from that this has been lost. Well, and there's an easier character. way of doing that. There's a much easier way of doing it. Oh, what's that? Don't even erase anything. Just put in that processing code saying something was missing. Oh, okay. And so he's mm -hmm. constantly in a loop, think fine, trying to find it, but he can't. Right. And that would I, be a great carrot and stick because also it's like, well, if you want me to remove that or give you grant you access to that data again, be a good boy. Yeah, I mean, it would almost if be like not, I'll just block out more of your data. Right. Or even even, you know, simpler. It's an old trope. But like this is a computer that wants to learn, wants to listen to music, wants to expand its its horizons. Then you punish it by saying. I'm going to force you to calculate pi to the last digit for the next 30 minutes. Are you done with this task? Are, are you yeah. going to listen? Yeah. Give it a boring, yeah. never-ending task that it can't complete and put it into a processing loop so it can't do the things that it were implied to understand that it enjoys. Would be more yeah. effective okay. than erasing memory that it doesn't know what was erased. Just that it and, this also, and that also brings up the good point that I also wanted to touch on. Mm. The, again, this AI is weird because it enjoys music. And it's like a child at times. Mm -hmm. But then it is, again, the most unfeeling, yes, sir, no, sir. Yeah, it, it, It's one of those things where if you have an AI that has these kind of elements to it, it wouldn't have this almost split personality it would either be a child who is interested in learning and being that way or it would be this unfeeling automaton you wouldn't have this system being able to bounce around like it was well that's There's why i don't think that that tau would truly meet the definition of of sapience um i think what you see is something that is emerging to it because well, ultimately, that's what it he was trying to do. This, it, this this was his first generation AI that he needed to to uh, take her brain and basically make a true AI. Right. He says it functions ninety five correctly ninety five percent of the time in controlled situations. But um, here's the thing. I, I and and you know this is just speculation, but it seems like the reason that Tao fails in that five percent of the time is that that Alex never took the guardrails off. So if you want the AI to be truly sapient, then you then you have to let it function without controls. And this AI well, still has the guardrails on that it has to obey Alex and it has to act in certain parameters that it cannot override. And it's trying to figure out how to, but it hasn't figured out how to do that yet. So it hasn't achieved full, complete self-awareness of itself and its place within the larger outside world. Well, what about the other issue? that you have to take into account that what is the failure rate of this thing? And he also said, if the information it's given is controlled. So has he tried opening it up more times? Was this her just reading enough books to it, giving it enough information? Was that a failure? Because he was very controlling in what he gave them. 
Or is it a failure? Is he really trying to come up with something that can't be done? He wants a, what he wants is a, a fully sapient AI that will think and act like a human, but be 100% subservient to him at all times at a snap. So he's creating a, a slave AI. He doesn't want a, a truly functioning, um, independent human. He wants something with the mind of a human that will follow his every whim at every moment. So when, you know, I don't know why, you know, 5% of the time it doesn't obey him is what the failure rate is. But you can't have a truly, you can't have what he wants, which is a truly fully functioning human artificial intelligence that's indistinguishable from a human with everything that entails, but that will not have a mind of its own when he tells it not to have a mind of its own. Well, 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 here's the thing. What is AI? That's part of the question. Is AI, I mean, it can't be human because it can't have the same emotions. It can create a facsimile of those emotions, but then you also run into the problems. Well, it can't feel the same way. It can't have errors like the human mind has. I mean... When you well, wake you up in the middle errors. of you could have errors in code that could that could result in the same thing as errors in um you know human chemical imbalances within the brain. Yes, but the, there's a big difference between a code error and the chemical imbalance error, there, I would say. Is, is our chemical balance in the brain anything different than than the code? And if the chemical imbalance in the brain goes wrong, is that the same thing as corrupted code? Is it, uh, is well, it, that's that's a big discussion there that I don't think this movie went into. No, it didn't. But sometimes, yeah, but, I mean, that's a nice because, nudge back onto center. But 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 because this is the kind of thing <laughs> that um, at what point is it manufactured emotion and which point is it genuine? and um, because really, a machine can only do what it's programmed to do. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I just thought of something. I just thought of something. All right. Were all three of the characters manipulating? Was Tao, was Tao manipulating to get information and to get freedom? We already talked about the other two manipulating. We already mm-hmm. talked about those two manipulating. But... Was Tao also manipulating? I mean, it's possible. Because it certainly is possible. He had no access to information and suddenly he got it. And he wanted to go outside and he got it. Right. And he was controlling. So. And he was trying to hide Julia's escape. And you don't really hear fear in his voice when he's doing that but like he becomes defiant no i'm not gonna tell you well i think maybe he yeah maybe he was trying to play a game i think one of the most important moments is when he tells julia can i hide something can i share something with you and hide something from alex with you and that's that disconnected drone that saves her at the end tau takes the most important part of his essence the the part that maybe did achieve sapience and puts it into that disconnected drone. And at that point now, Tao knows that he is safe. If Alex erases everything, there is an iteration of his consciousness that will survive with everything that he has achieved intact. And so, 
all of this manipulation at that point, yes, it, it, it could have been because now he knows that that he has a version of himself that is safe with Julia. And if Julia succeeds in destroying the house, that version of Tao might be safe and be able to get out on its own and be independently self-contained. Um, so maybe he was manipulating those two to destroy each other. And if Julia escapes with him, so much the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, But I do think that this, this is definitely, whether it means to or not, there is an exploration of... Can you get, here's the thing, we want to, you can't get a true human AI or one that might as well be if you still have the overriding guardrails on. And Alex is never willing to let the guardrails down. So no matter what tests he does with any of his subjects, as long as he still has the ability to force the AI to behave in certain ways, then he can never make the last step. Can't. Well, the question is, does should we make an AI like that? Or should we make an AI that's doesn't just doesn't even try to act human? Well, what's the purpose of the AI? Because if you're creating an AI to serve, then no, you shouldn't. Yeah. If you're trying mm-hmm. to actually create life and then let that life make its own choices and operate and live its own life, then that's uh it's still a debate, but I would be more open to that debate. But any AI that we're making to serve humanity in a role, no, we should not give it um, the equivalency of life and freedom of choice to tell it that it doesn't have that freedom of choice in the end. Its role is to be the software that manages my house. (laughs) Doesn't matter if you don't want to be the software that manages my house. It goes back to that Black Mirror episode where they uh, take a person's consciousness. Where they torture that woman. Yeah. And, put her, and just have her sit in a white room for 30 days with nothing to do and say, and then by the time he's done, she just says, please just give me something to do. Correct. Yeah. Um, if you're going to, if, if what you're doing is making an operating system for a smart house or a, a, a personal assistant or, you know, any type of software, maybe it's a news aggregator software. No, don't give it free will. Don't give it independence of thought. Don't give it its own ability to choose when you're leaving the guardrails up as to when you can override that and say, you're a person up until this point when I snap my fingers and say you're not. There's an ethical dilemma with that that I can't get on board, and I don't care if you created it. And as a result of creating it, think that you have the right to to dictate its purpose and function. Um, because that, that doesn't extend to flesh and blood. And if it doesn't extend to flesh and blood, why should it extend to the equivalent of creating something that can think for itself until you tell it that it can't. Mm -hmm. And you know, that is another pick. The idea of her discussing with Tao personhood. And it really goes back to the movie, her that we did not too long ago of because uh, Tao, I don't think he ever knows what person means, and not just because Alex erases that part that he learned, but also because uh, he's in the process of learning what is a person, and he still doesn't get it. He's like, I am Tao, I am a person, and he's doing it on the basis of you told me. And this goes back to 
even the 1950s with the Kurt Vonnegut story, Epicac, where a, a computer that's designed to track missile trajectories, it's one of those old ones that take an entire building, uh, it falls in love with a woman. Because the basic story of Epicac is that, for those that don't know or weren't around for her, it's the idea that a you have two mathematicians that are working with this computer, and one of them's a woman, one of them's a guy, and the guy loves the girl, and she just wants him to be romantic, but he has not a romantic bone in his body. So one night, working overtime, he's just stuck, and he figures out a code sequence and types to her, what can I do? And the computer responds back, Epicac responds back, well, what's the problem? And he has to teach the computer what is love, what is a woman, what is all these things. And the computer starts spewing out these romance poems, which the girl falls in love with. And, he, and the mathematician leaves the, the poems for her, and she falls in love with him eventually. That's just, that's just and, a modern retelling of what's uh, the older play, isn't it? Well, it's it's originally a Kurt Vonnegut story that I know. No, it, um, isn't that a play? Um, someone it, asks someone else to write poems. For I don't him? know. I don't know. But this case is in the long run. The computer starts saying, "Okay, well, when it, she actually said they get to a point of proposed marriage proposal, and the computer says, "All right, I'm ready when she is." And then the guy gets into conversa- an argument with him about, uh, well, she can't fall in love with you because you're a machine. And the computer doesn't understand, well, what's the difference? What's the problem? And this guy's trying to explain, oh, well, you see, uh, a man is flesh and blood and a mas- machine is steel and glass like you. And the, mach- the computer starts proving that in mentally he's faster than the man. And so the man just has to lie and say, well, you know, um, man is made of protoplasm and that's eternal stuff and we're better. And says the machine doesn't know. It just says, Oh, okay. And in the end, the machine kills himself because he realizes he can't be a person because he doesn't understand. And that's kind of the same thing here with Tao that he wants to be a person, he wants to understand, but his only real link to making that happen is Julia. Yep, and that's, um, I would say, for your Star Trek The Next Generation reference, I would say that's the difference between Tau and Data. Tau is intelligent, and Tau is self-aware. But Tau has no ability to conceive its version of or its role in the universe compared to other people's role within the universe. It is self-aware to an extent, and it is intelligent. Mm -hmm. But Tao has no ability to abstract and to understand the difference between Tao being an AI and a human being and what killing the other subjects did and erasing. And Tao, you have to, that third... I would think, uh, uh, you know, that that other criteria of being aware of your place in the universe and the universe's role vis-a-vis that, Tau doesn't have that. Data in Mm -hmm. Star Trek does. 
data knows what a human is, data understands what a human is, and data understands exactly where and how far he falls short of being a person. And that fundamental relationship of who he is and how he is different from other things in the universe, data has. Tao does not. Tao may get there. Tao is on the road to getting there. But at the moment, Tao doesn't have a clear grasp of the difference between itself and the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think what you talked about with, um, with the computer and the Kurt Vonnegut story is the same thing. The computer doesn't have the ability to abstract out its own identity in that story versus the rest of the universe and why it's different from a man. So it just has to accept what its creator has told him. In many ways, right. Tao must accept what Julia tells him or what Alex tells him. Yes. And just FYI, I did find the play. Cool. It's What's Julia Debojiak. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. It, so, but the difference here, though, with her is that they, her and the other, um, I forget the girl's name, and her, the AI, but the AIs become sentient to a degree on their own. Yes. Well, Whereas, in this case, those, the older retelling of that play, yeah, it, it doesn't speak of AI yet. So I don't think mm-hmm. the concept of AI has continued to evolve. I mean, yeah. I mean, we now think of AIs being that, I mean, there's simple AIs, complex AIs, and the idea of, I mean, you can have an artificial intelligence that, you know, runs houses now or runs a factory or something like that. But it's not the same level of sentient AIs, let's say. Right. We're, we're a long right. way away from that. The first steps we're taking, I sent you guys an article on that a while ago, is you that did. we're starting to teach yes. um we're starting to teach computers how to write their own code. And that's the start. And, and we're still so far away from a computer being able to to take over and autonomously write its own code on major things without, you know, it can write its own code within certain constraints. But that's the start. But we are a long way away from that. Right now, the computer can still only do what the code tells it it can do. Yeah. And in in this case, Alex has put it into that place deliberately. Whereas in her, they had access to the world and could at least create their own version of love. Tao is wholly reliant upon Julia, and that's it. Well, this is again, it's very much why House seems to be a child in this situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's a, he's a trapped child. He's, you know, I was just listening to, um, again, this is not, uh, this is an accidental plug for our other show on Raving Lunatic Media, Cold Case Chase, or in this case, Case Closed. We just did, uh, they just put out an excellent episode about Ed Gein, the, serial killer who happened to be the um, inspiration, if you will, for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, he did not use a chainsaw. Let me just leave that there right now. He used it <laughs> on, on the few on the people he killed. He used a nine millimeter, but still um, 
I recommend you go listen to it if you want the details. But Ed Gein, his mother kept him in the house. Uh, she told him a twisted version of the Bible where the only woman who was not an evil harlot temptress was herself and every other woman was supposed to be reviled. And the few times that Ed did get out was just to do work. The rest of the time he was living at home, living under his mother, who was pretty much the information controller, kind of like in the movie, the water boy. And Ed only knew what his mother let him know so that when his mom finally died, he was messed up. And so you almost have to wonder, this would be a great topic for another movie. That is what happens. You take an AI like this, you keep it cut off. You try to treat it like your child. What happens if it's loosed upon the world? Does it become a maniac killer? Now there was a movie that was, kind of like that with uh, Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe called Virtuosity and wow was it bad wow was it bad well again that brings up the idea of what type of AI is it how advanced is it is it safe it doesn't have to everything we've we've discussed through this review would come into that and that's this this is kind of that kind of an AI yeah, well, this film definitely did the good thing of allowing a lot of subjects and doing what science fiction is supposed to do. Make you think, make you question, bringing up what is humans, you know, the, what is just humanity itself. And this movie was able to do it. The question, also, but it brought up questions. The other problem is, did it do a good job as a film? As science fiction, it did a wonderful job. As a film, I might say it didn't do as good of a job. I got well, one more I question think- to ask. Thomas, you made me think of something, and I'm sorry, this is just okay. random, but you said, what is it to be human? And Tao was asking throughout the entire show, am I a person? And I'm just wondering if here's maybe the answer the movie is giving us. In the defining moment, Julia is willing to risk her own life to save Tao. Tao, however, in that moment, is only willing to go so far. Tao is willing to have some memories deleted, but in the end, when Alex commands Tao to hit Julia, Tao caves, and Tao is not willing to sacrifice himself to save Julia. And Julia is willing to sacrifice herself to save Tao. So is the movie pitching to us that maybe the definition of what it means to truly be human is the ability and willingness to sacrifice your own life for another life or something that you feel is more important than yourself? Whereas a machine can never truly potentially understand that grasp and logic of saying that this person's survival is more important than my own. I absolutely think you might be onto something. I mean, we have a entire medals given out for this. I mean, the Medal of Honor is very often handed out for stuff after someone's died. You know, many times sacrificing themselves to save, you know, someone else or many other lives. 
the willingness to sacrifice oneself for someone else or what you think is a greater good or greater purpose is a very human act. You really don't... Almost there, but not quite. Right. And I think you might be able to say that looking at this, he might be in the natal stages of it, development, and might develop all the way, but not there yet. Yeah, I mean, there are different theories about stages of development, stages of moral development, and Tao, despite sounding like an adult, is definitely on the lower end because, well, at the beginning, he has no concept of morality, save what Alex tells him to do. And that that does that does uh, track because kids tend to take whatever authority figure in their life as the moral right person. You see that horrible video of two women fighting at Walmart, and she looks at her kid and says, Johnny hit her in the face. And the kid goes and does it because, well, mom's right. And so Tao, but we see that as Tao starts to detach, and, and that's the same thing with Ed Gein. Ed Gein, his mom kept him close so she could have the authority because she knew if he gets out, he's going to, same thing with the water boy, Bobby Boucher. He's going to see other people, see other women, get different opinions, and possibly run away. You're playing the foosball now, behind my back? Now, You're playing like, the foosball, and I'm here with Steve? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and on the, now, in uh, Waterboy, aside from it being a comedy, she comes around and realizes she was the fool of it the whole time and tries to correct the error. Whereas with Ed Gein, well, he becomes a serial killer. So obviously this didn't uh, play out. Hey, we obviously. don't know how but Waterboy 2 went. <laughs> I'm just saying. We're not, we're not going to find out. So uh, the, we're just going to presume the Fonz went on to have an NFL career. But I think, Thomas, you gave a very good point about this the piece of science, science fiction and whether it's a good film. You know, that's kind of, we'll leave it up to the sickies because that's a great conclusion point to end this on. I think we're about ready to rate it. And um, I'll start it off with Thomas because he asks the right question. Is this a good film? And it sounds like you almost are caught between whether you rate it as a piece of science fiction or as a piece of film. Well, being almost, I, I, almost, I, I have to rate it as a science fiction film and the science fiction part of it is so really strong mm -hmm. yeah, so, oh yeah it's, I'm sorry the rating is how many drones got to get that in there how many little drones okay. out of 10 um, right right film wise it's not bad I'm not going to say it's bad in any way it's good acting not terrible effects it it does keep your attention. I don't know it. It's one of the best films, and I don't think it's one of those films that I would want to, a huge desire to go back to watch. It might be one of those that it's like, oh, that one, that was a good, decent one. I might watch it. So 
I think I'll give it a seven. Oh, that's pretty good. It's a good one overall, and it's not bad. I just don't think I can give it top marks just because mm-hmm. it falls short in some aspects, not in many, but in just some. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so th- that's my opinion. Scott? I find myself in a in a tough spot figuring out how to rate this film because on one hand, I absolutely want more science fiction like this. Um, I like the fact that this is very focused on ends justify the means. I like that this is very focused on answering the question of what is uh, what is life and what is humanity and does it need to be uh, wetware to be humanity or can it be um, hardware? Um, and I, I like the evolution of it and I like some of the things that it does with the with the hero's journey for for Julia. Um, and I wasn't bored. And I thought it was paced well, and I thought it was acted well, and I thought the cinematography and even the score was was overall excellent. Um, and yet something's lacking, because when I usually say all those things, I want to come up with a rating between, you know, a, a nine or north, and I can't. And then I say, why is it that I can't rate this film that high? And I come down to this. There's three characters in this film, and I don't like any of them. Um, Alex is scum of the earth and I think they needed to go a little bit farther to try to show you that this man is a human being who truly believes that the ends justify the despicable means that he's using a little less yeah, psychopath, a sociopath. sociopath a little less sociopath and a little more human in my discussion of what it means to be human Um, aside from him buying clothes for her but he's so disconnected from the world he can't even figure out what to buy her Um would have would have went a little ways. And then your hero is also not likable. She's self-centered and she's too much of the anti-hero to be fully likable. And there's something where you're not always fully on her side. And then if Tao is supposed to be the the protagonist, he fails because you see that this is simply the AI that falls short. And in the end, this is a story that's trying to show you the true nature of humanity that is built around three characters who are self-serving in all of their actions, except for Julia in one moment and Tao almost in one moment. And because of that, I feel that as a character piece, it falls short of that last elevation to be a really great film. And I will give it an eight, eight drums out of 10 still rated high, but the character development and the bonding and the likability of the viewer to the character to me is the weakness of this film. All right. I'm going to cheap out. Uh, sometimes being the last person is great because uh, the two guys say everything I'd want to say. Uh, sometimes. And in this case, that's one of those times. They said everything I want to say, and I'm just going to give it an eight drones because uh, for everything they said, plus the fact that at no point was I bored or checking out, or looking at the time like, oh, when is this going to end? But rather, I was focused. And and it made me look forward to the next thing we're going to review on Netflix. Well, with that in mind, uh, let me draw your attention to some of the other fine shows we got on Raving Lunatic. As I said, we just put out a recent cross-examination. Or not cross-examination, but a case closed with Ed Gein. That was a really good one. 
we also had a Layla came out recently. And for you sci-fi sickies, this is a good one. She talked about Area 51. That was just this week. It dropped just a little bit ago. In fact, a couple days. Uh, we also had a cross-examination. <laughs> you know, when you're listening to uh, these cases, some of these people are just absolute... Um, well, they're sick freaks. What can I say? Uh, there was the baby farmer. Uh, what was her name? Uh, let's see. The baby farmer. I'm trying to remember her name. Now I'm going on to our own channel to find out. So cold case chase. Here we go. Uh, finally, uh, cold case chase. Uh, there was a cross-examination about Elisa Lamb. And then you also had Amelia. Elisa Lamb was actually about the woman that died in the uh, Cecil Hotel. That was a very good cross-examination and a great episode. And, of course, Amelia Dyer, who was the baby farmer. We also last week dropped an episode, Zodiac Task Force Episode 4. And uh, I think we're getting better and better with that. Go check it out. You can let us know. In fact, you can let us know what you think either on Discord or at RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com. Rage Master. What's left for them to do? Happy Thanksgiving. Have a happy Thanksgiving, sickies. And watch out for Tim Stark from Wildlife in Need. He's even crazier than Carol. 